Hi, you are listening to Encouraging Women for Christ, and I'm your host and Bible teacher, Courtney Silberman. Ladies, have you been looking for a simple, straightforward way to understand the book of Revelation? Well, join us today as we take this amazing book one verse at a time using easy-to-understand explanations and other verses in the Bible to go through this incredible book. I know you are going to leave each teaching blessed and refreshed in the Word of God and hopeful in what's to come as a follower of Jesus Christ. And hey, if you are just beginning your journey to understand what a relationship with Jesus is, please join us too. You will learn so much about Jesus' love for you and hear all about how you can enter into a personal relationship with God for yourself. Let's be excited together about the glorious future we have in Christ Jesus. And know we will be blessed, as Revelation 1-3 tells us, when we invest the time in learning the book of Revelation together. Hi, it's Courtney, and welcome back to our study in the book of Revelation. Today we're going to be in chapter 20, and we are going to look into more detail at the thousand-year reign of Christ. This is going to be such a great chapter. That is part of what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about also the great white throne judgment and the very, very end of the thousand-year reign of Christ. So thank you so much for joining us once again. I'm going to begin by reading in Revelation chapter 20. I'm in the New King James Version. Please feel free to get out your Bible or your Bible app. Follow along with me. It really, really helps to look at the text as we're reading along. So here we go. Revelation chapter 20. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years, and cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal on him, that he should not deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were finished. But after these things he must be released for a little while. And I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their testimony to Jesus and for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image, and had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. But the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years was finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Now when the thousand years have expired, Satan will be released from his prison and go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, whose number is as the sand of the sea. They went up on the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and false prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Verse 11, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, and from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was 
found no place for them, and I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works and by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death, and anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Let's pray. Gracious and Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this chapter of Scripture. We thank you so much for the detail that you give us in this. So I pray that you would help us by the power of your Holy Spirit to walk through every section, to let Scripture teach us Scripture, and to help us understand what you are speaking to us during this time in human history. We thank you so much for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we are in chapter 20 now, and Jesus has returned to the earth. He has battled against the Antichrist and his army. He has defeated them, and now he is going to set up his millennial kingdom. And before he does that, let's pick up what happens to Satan. So we know that the beast and the false prophet were thrown into the lake of fire. But let's see what happens to Satan starting in the beginning of verse 20. Uh, chapter 20, verse 1, excuse me. It says, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years and he cast him into the bottomless pit and I love this part right here and shut him up and set a seal on him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were finished let's pause there for a minute minute so that is the wonderful thing about the thousand year reign of Christ the beast and false prophet have been cast into the lake of fire. Babylon has been destroyed. And now Satan is bound for a thousand years, shut up and sealed so he can deceive the nations no longer until the thousand years are completed. So this is how we have the Prince of Peace ruling and reigning on this earth. Now, of course, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, but this is the the Shalom, the Prince of Peace who rules and reigns on this earth for a thousand years while Satan is bound and he can deceive the nations no more for those thousand years. And we'll talk about after the thousand years what will happen to him and why in just a minute. But it says... Um, it does say at the end of verse 3, it says, But after these things, he must be released for a little while. So there is a time he's going to be released at the end of the thousand years. And we will talk about why in just a minute. But let's go into the thousand years a little bit more, starting in verse 4. It says, And I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands. They lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. So this is all of those uh, tribulation saints that did not take the mark of the beast. They lived with Christ for a thousand years. All the church 
all those uh, born again believers who belong in the church from Pentecost, uh, the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was poured out in Acts chapter 2 all the way to the rapture in Revelation chapter 4 verse 1. We as the church all come in and rule and reign with him for a thousand years. The Old Testament saints will be resurrected when Jesus returns to the earth. They will rule and reign with him. They will be with him in his millennial kingdom. They will sit with him at his table in his millennial kingdom. And so we have all of these people all of God's people coming together in the thousand year reign of Jesus Christ. So like I said, this is the Sar Shalom, the Prince of Peace coming to rule and reign and be here on the earth for this millennial kingdom. And the prophets in the Old Testament speak about this time with Jesus a lot. They prophesy very much about that time, especially Isaiah. So let's go to Isaiah chapter 11 to hear a little bit more about what the thousand years of Jesus' reign on this earth will be. So I'm going to turn to Isaiah and I'm going to turn to Isaiah chapter 11 to begin with. Okay? So in Isaiah chapter 11, let's hear how the prophet Isaiah describes this time. And I'm going to start in Isaiah chapter 11 verse 1 and I'm going to read down through um, to chapter to verse 10. So Isaiah chapter 11 verse 1 through 10 and it says, there shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. His delight is in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor, and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall slay the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his loins, and faithfulness the belt of his waist. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young ones shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play by the cobra's hole, and the weaned child shall put his hand in the viper's den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And then in verse 10, And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse who shall stand as a banner to the people, for the Gentiles shall seek him, and his resting place shall be glorious. So when we look specifically at Isaiah chapter 11 here, we hear about this righteous reign of Jesus as the, as the Sar Shalom, the Prince of Peace. And there's so much peace on the earth. Look, it says in verse 6, The wolf shall lie down, shall dwell with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the young goat, the calf and the young lion and the fatling 
and a little child shall lead them. So it's, it's peace on the earth, even with the animals, even in creation. Like I had said earlier, we are heading our way back to the garden as we get into the millennial kingdom. We are going back to what God had intended for mankind to be like with God, for the creation to be like. In Genesis chapter 1 and 2, there was peace on the on the land, in the garden, and there was peace even in the animal kingdom. And that is what we're going back to in the millennial kingdom. We're looking at a time where even creation in, among the animals and among um, the children will be a time of peace. It will be a great time of peace. And I love so much verse 9 in Isaiah 11 where it says, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And the knowledge of the Lord will be all throughout the earth. It will be such a wonderful time. Let's also turn to the prophet Joel and let's read a few passages from Joel to, that also describe what the millennial kingdom will be like. So turn to Joel. Let's look at Joel chapter 2 and let's start reading in verse 21. And remember when Jesus returns, he is going to return to rule and reign in Jerusalem. He is going to return and he is going to set up his millennial kingdom in the promised land that was given as a covenant to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He is going to fulfill the covenant that he promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob for the full borders of the land that he promised. And he is also going to fulfill the promise to rule on the throne of David with the Davidic covenant that he promised to David. Okay, so let's take a look at Joel chapter 2 verse 21 and let's read a little bit about his promises to Israel and how it blesses all the nations. So it says, and I'm in Joel chapter 2, verse 21, Fear not, O land, be glad and rejoice, for the Lord has done marvelous things. Do not be afraid, you beasts of the field, for the open pastures are springing up, and the tree bears its fruit, and the fig tree and the vine yield their strength. Be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God. For he has given you the former rain faithfully, and he will cause the rain to come down for you, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. The threshing floors shall be full of wheat, and the vat shall overflow with new wine and oil. And listen to what he says to the nation of Israel during this time, starting in verse 25. He says, So I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the crawling locust, the consuming locust, and the chewing locust, my great army which I sent among you. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God who has dwelt wondrously with you, and my people shall never again be put to shame. Then you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel. I am the Lord your God and there is no other. My people shall never be put to shame. And that's Joel chapter 2 verses 21 through 27. Uh, let's also move over to Joel chapter 3 and let's look at verse 18. It says, and it will come to pass in that day that the mountains shall drip with new wine. The hills shall flow with milk 
and the, all the brooks of Judah shall be flooded with water. A fountain shall flow from the house of the Lord and water the valley of Acacias. And this is just such a beautiful picture of how flowing and beautiful the land of Israel will be. It will be flourishing, it will be fruitful, it will be glorious, and it will bless all the nations as Jesus rules and reigns in Jerusalem and over all of Israel and all over the world. So this is such an incredible time. The Millennial Kingdom is just a wonderful time to look forward to for all of God's people. And that is something that we just continue to look toward and get excited about. Okay, so let's um, pick up now in verse 5 um, of Revelation chapter 20 and it says, but the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection over such the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. So now in this section, we really see the contrast between those who have eternal life in Christ Jesus, who will reign for him for a thousand years, and those who are not going to be in the kingdom, who decided that they do not want to submit to the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. They don't want to be a part of his kingdom, and so they will face what is called the second death or the lake of fire. Okay, so there, the thousand year reign of Christ is a literal thousand years, but it will come to an end. And let's see what happens at the end of the thousand years. I'm um, in verse seven, it says, now when the thousand years have expired, Satan will be released from his prison and go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth Gog and Magog to gather them together for battle, whose number is the sand of the sea. They went up on the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. And fire came down from heaven, from God out of heaven and devoured them. The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and false prophet are and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Now that is the very last verse for Satan. That is the end of his time and it is forever and ever that he will be in the lake of fire where the beast and false prophet are. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So let's go back and take a look at why Satan is released. Okay, so the Bible says here that when the thousand years have expired, Satan will be released. He will go out into the nations and he will deceive them. He will deceive some out of the nations. They will come up to Jerusalem. They will gather together. They will surround the encampment of the saints, the beloved city. They will try once again to tap capture and take over Jerusalem even at the end of the thousand years even after Jesus has ruled and reigned on this earth for a thousand years Satan is able to go out and deceive 
in the thousand year reign, during the thousand year reign at the end of it and bring that many people to surround Jerusalem and try to destroy it. Now this is very interesting and you might ask, well who is going to get deceived if they're in the millennial kingdom? Well. Those who have put their faith and trust in Christ in the church will have glorified bodies, so we will be like Christ in the millennial kingdom. Uh, those who are the Old Testament saints who, have been, who were resurrected when Jesus returned will have their glorified bodies and they will be in the millennial kingdom. And those, um, but there will be those who survive the tribulation, who do not take the mark. They are saved and they go into the millennial kingdom. But when they go into the millennial kingdom in their natural bodies, so we will have in the millennial kingdom people with their glorified bodies and people in their natural bodies who go into it. Those with their natural bodies who first go into the millennial kingdom will all be saved. So it will not be them, but those in their natural bodies will um, they will have children and they will have children and they will have children in a thousand years is a lot of time to build up the population and so each of those new generations has to make the choice to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior during the Millennial Kingdom while Jesus is on the earth ruling and reigning for a thousand years and the sad reality of it is that they will not receive Christ so that by the time Satan gets released at the end of the thousand years and the population has grown, there will be so many that in pretense believed but never really believed so that when Satan has that opportunity to go out and deceive again, he's able to gather that many people to come against Jerusalem. I know it's so difficult to believe, but it's true. And we do have precedent of this in the Bible. So you might say to me, Courtney, how can someone not believe in Jesus when they see him for a thousand years ruling in righteousness in the millennial kingdom? And I'll tell you, we have seen that already when Jesus came the first time in the Gospels. Let's look at Matthew chapter 19 and let's look at verse 16 through 22. This was someone who was face to face with Jesus and let's see what happens. It says, Now behold, one came and said to him, Good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? So he said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. He said to him, Which ones? Jesus said, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and your mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, All these things I have kept from my youth, what do I still lack? Jesus said to him, If you want to be perfect, go sell what you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. And then look at verse 22. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. So here's an example. When um, uh, the rich young ruler, he came to Jesus, Jesus said, come follow me. Give up all your riches, come and follow me because I'll give you greater riches than this. And he 
walked away from Jesus. He was face to face with him. It was just Jesus and him in this conversation and he walked away. So we know that the heart is deceitful. The heart will do this and Satan will take full opportunity to deceive at the end. In fact, let's turn back to Jeremiah and hear what, what God says about the deceitful heart. Let's go to Jeremiah chapter 17 and let's read a really important um, couple verses from Jeremiah 17 about the heart. Look what um, God says in Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 9 through 10. It says, God says this, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind to get even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. So this actually leads really nicely into our next section of Revelation chapter 20. If we go back and look, um, after Satan's rebellion is crushed, let's go look at the great white throne judgment starting in verse 11. So after Satan's rebellion is crushed, then this is um, what happens. This is the great white throne judgment that, that happens um, before the new heavens and new earth. So let's look at verse 11 and read. It says, Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. So this is the last and final judgment. And this is for unbelievers because they did not want to be judged by the work of Christ on the cross for their sins. They wanted to be judged by their own works because they believed their own good works could get them into heaven. And it says in verse 13, The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And then look at verse 15. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So all those who did not want to receive the free gift of Jesus Christ, his offer of salvation, his work that paid the price for my sin, for your sin, those who did not want that, who wanted to be judged by their own good works, were here at the great white throne judgment. And because they wanted to be judged by their works, they faced the second death because their name was not found written in the Lamb's Book of Life. They instead wanted their own merits to decide whether they could get into heaven. And that's what the problem is with us wanting to use our own good works to try to earn God's favor, earn God's merit, and get into heaven. And as we can see from this passage, that is not going to work. That is not the way. The only way, as Jesus says in John 14, 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father 
except through me. We cannot earn our way back to God. We cannot do enough good works to make up for the sin in our life. The, the gap is too big, the separation too wide. The only one who could pay the price for our sin was the perfect work of Jesus Christ on the cross for our sin. And if we, instead of working, believe and put our faith and trust in His work, for our redemption, then we will be saved. Then our name will be written in the Lamb's book of life because we believed, we trusted on him who worked instead of us trying to work. But those at the great white throne judgment trusted in their own works to save them. And as we can see here, it did not work for them. And they were thrown into the lake of fire, which is the second death. And that is the end of the millennial kingdom before the new heavens and new earth begin in chapter 21 and 22, which we will go into next time to finish out this series. So I think that this is a huge eye-opening chapter in chapter 20. First, we saw the glorious millennial kingdom reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. And anyone who wants to put their faith and trust in Jesus will be in that kingdom, in that thousand-year wedding celebration with Jesus. And all his saints of all time will be there together are thrown into the lake of fire and this is where all the unrighteous end up for all eternity in the lake of fire and that is the end before the new heavens and new earth because in the new heavens and new earth which we will see next time it's only righteousness for all eternity and I pray you know you will be there um, I pray that you know you have a personal relationship with Jesus and you will be counted worthy to be in the millennial kingdom and in the new heavens and new earth with him so let's end in prayer gracious father we thank you so much for this chapter and so much that you provided for us and we just ask Lord Jesus that this word goes out, it does not return void, but accomplishes the purpose for which you send it and prospers in what you send it to do. We are so looking forward to being with you in your millennial kingdom. And we say, come quickly, Lord Jesus. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I will see you next time. Thank you for listening to our teaching today on the book of Revelation. And if you are looking for more tools and resources from Encouraging Women for Christ, please visit our website at encouragedinchrist.org. We are here to help and encourage you on your journey to learning more about God through His Word. 